Welcome into another edition of the Deep Slam Podcast presented by Xfinity. I'm your host, D.P. Sidhu, and this week's podcast is featuring Tennessee Titans reporter Amy Wells. And if you know or if you're on social media, March 8th this week was International Women's Day, and March is actually uh, Women's History Month. So I thought only fitting that we feature a female reporter, another one. there. She's not the only one. I'm not the only one. There's a number of them number of us, I should say, in the NFL, and we are, a lot of us are on this group chat, so we chat very frequently about our jobs in the NFL and, and covering teams as females in the league, and when I started off in 2013, there were really not a lot of women covering other teams, so it's it's nice to see that number grow, and a lot of us are very, very excited to see each other at the NFL Combine or at games, so we try to connect and and we definitely keep in touch via group text. So I'm going to get into all that with Amy Wells. I'm also going to talk about uh, the state of the Tennessee Titans because they have a very, very intriguing offseason. They've got guys like their quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, their running back, Derrick Henry, uh, who are free agents at the end of the season. And I saw both those guys at the Pro Bowl. So what's going to happen with their futures? You've got Tom Brady out there looking at free agency for the first time in a really long time. And his name has been linked up with Mike Vrabels, who was his former teammate, now head coach of the Tennessee Titans. Will he end up with him in Nashville? I think uh, all these questions are ones that are about to be answered in the next few weeks. But first, speaking of quarterbacks, quarterback your in-home Wi-Fi Texans fans from anywhere on any device with the all-pro control of Xfinity XFi. This is Beyond Wi-Fi. This is XFi Xfinity, proud partner of the Houston Texans, proud partner of this podcast. Before I get into my interview with Amy Wells, now this was recorded at the NFL Combine up in Indianapolis, and it was before all those tornadoes hit Nashville and the middle part of Tennessee. So when we were talking about Nashville, it's obviously in the context of what happened at the draft last year. And if you're wondering why I don't ask about the devastation and, and, and what Nashville is like now, that's why, because this was actually recorded beforehand but I did reach out to Amy after those tornadoes and ask her if she was okay she is but she passed along a few websites if uh, anyone out there wants to donate or you feel like you want to give back to Tennessee and, and help them as they recover and rebuild from the devastation caused by those those tornadoes uh, one of the websites is cfmt.org that's community foundation of middle Tennessee cfmt.org uh, she said they will ensure that the funds stay in Middle Tennessee. What what it is is they've activated a Middle Tennessee Emergency Response Fund. So they're, as soon as you go to the website, a button will pop up that asks if you want to donate. So very easy to do. The other uh, website she mentioned, NashvilleTNStore.com. You can buy a T-shirt and donations go to the same place. And there's some pretty cool T-shirts. There's one that looks like the NASA symbol, but it says Nash. So if you want to... A national T-shirt or you, you feel like somebody might enjoy it as a gift, you, you can kill two birds with one stone, get a T-shirt, and donate uh, to a really, really good relief fund, really good cause. And I know everyone that's listening that's been through the hurricanes in, in Houston can really empathize with what's going on in Nashville. Obviously, our heart's going out to them as they recover and rebuild. That's obviously an ongoing process. So with that being said, let's get into our interview with Amy Wells. We touch on pretty much everything. We touch on free agency. We touch on... Uh, the draft, what the Titans might be looking for. Also, we talk about this group chat that her, myself, and about 20 other women are in every single day where we, we talk about our jobs and we sort of compare notes about, you know, what other teams are doing and, 
as far as, you know, everything from technology, you know, hey, what software do you use for this? Or how do you guys set up your podcast to, hey, you know, how do you, wh where do you get your clothes and how do you keep up with a wardrobe when you're on TV every day? Stuff like that. Anyway, she gets into all of it. You're going to, you're going to really enjoy ta listening to her. She's a lot of fun in person and she's a lot of fun on this podcast too. Amy Wells, Titans reporter right here on the Deep Slant Podcast presented by Xfinity. All right, joining me today, Amy Wells. She's the team reporter for the Tennessee Titans. Does what I do plus a lot, a lot more. Amy, welcome in. How are you doing? I'm good. See, you do the writing stuff, though. They don't let me write anything <laughs> down. Anything so down. it's different. Same amount of work allocated differently. Well, you do some. You do a little bit of videos. You cover the team. You cover the players. You also have a podcast, which at one point was a daily podcast. It was a daily podcast. That's for a, a lot of work. It was a crazy thing that we decided to do. It was in the month leading up to the draft. So last year when it was in Nashville, of we course. were like, wow, what a cool opportunity to have so much NFL attention. Not just about the Titans, but NFL overall in Nashville. We've got to take advantage of this. So we had this bananas idea to do a live video podcast five days a week for a month leading up to the draft. And we covered everything under the sun. We had musicians who were going to be performing there come in and be guests. We had our owner was on. We had all kinds of different players and coaches. And we had so many different moving parts. By the time the draft ended, I think I slept for 10 days. I was so it's exhausting. tired. But, man, it's one of the things I'm most proud of that we've ever done. Because the podcast has only been around, the OTP, the Official Titans podcast, okay. um, has only been around for a about two years so we've really tried a lot of different things with it within that two-year period and so it's never the same thing from year to year honestly from month to month we're always just throwing things at the wall and hoping that something sticks and that it resonates with our fan base and it's been really fun a lot of learning along the way but yeah that was exhausting yeah here we are at the NFL combine and it seems like that was just yesterday that the draft was in Nashville and now here it is in, in Las Vegas this year. When you look back at how, I mean, I heard very good things about the NFL draft in Nashville. It looked like a lot of fun on TV. They just seemed like, I mean, minus the bachelorette parties that were that were not <laughs> informed that there were going to be all these people descending on Nashville. It seemed like it was a, a big hit. Do you foresee any other big events happening in Nashville throughout the year? Oh, absolutely. I mean, first off. Someone in Las Vegas should take note of what happened to the poor bachelorettes in Nashville. This is true. This is going to be an issue. Maybe send out like a press release because <laughs> I think if Nashville's number one for bachelorette parties, Vegas is probably number two. Um, but I would agree. It was yeah. such a cool event. It was incredible to see the people that came out. There were six hundred thousand people in Nashville for this event, and we we kind and of and they were just in this. They were on Broadway. They right? were on in Broadway. The yep. So yeah. they shut the street down. They're packed in there. The pictures are incredible. Right. We all after that draft was over. Um, our owner, Amy Adam Strunk, had pictures printed for all of us of downtown Broadway, just full of people. And we all have them in our offices because it was just such I'm getting goosebumps. It was just such a cool thing to see our city being represented so well um, in terms of future things. Yes, yes, yes. So many things. Nashville has kind of been able to put themselves on the map and say, um, hey, we can actually host something of this magnitude and do it really well. Um, do you think a Super Bowl will ever make it to Nashville? I think the conversations are starting to kind of brew that, hey, this is a city that could sustain something like that. 
our stadium is out of date, so there would definitely need to be a lot of stadium renovations that happen, and I know that that's something that's constantly being talked about, and, I mean, they don't invite me to those meetings. You're not invited? <laughs> yeah, I'm not invited. They don't, they don't want in- to see my sketches. They, they don't out. invite me to anything that involves a budget either because <laughs> I would be like, oh, it's unlimited money, right? It's not my money. Let's right. change everything. Let's fix it all. Right, exactly. So there are definitely some changes that would have to be made just to update the stadium a little bit and accommodate for the volume of people that is required for a Super Bowl. But I think in terms of the city and the infrastructure of Nashville, during the draft we showed that that's very – it's very easy for us to accommodate something of that magnitude. And, I mean, Nashville's bidding to be a city when the World Cup comes to the U.S. And Nashville is talking about maybe hosting the draft again at some point. And they've talked about – I mean, we've got Final Four. There's all these things that – are always kept swirling about. Nashville's really becoming a sports town, which is really a cool thing because it, for the longest time, was just kind of the small city in the middle of Tennessee. And now it's really on the map, and it's been really fun to kind of be a part of that growth. It, it's been a lot of fun. Actually, we go there every year, obviously, the, te- the Texans and the Titans being in the same division. Between the music, the food, and, and now the sports town because there's always a hockey game or something else going on when we're there during football season. It, it's a fun city to visit. Let's talk about the Titans because the season – really turned around in a way that nobody expected. That was wild, right? Ryan Tannehill, I mean, everyone thought Mariota's the guy. Then then Tannehill comes in and turns a team around. Mike Vrabel leads the team to a win over the Patriots as a wild card team. And I know the Texans and the Titans faced off twice in very close proximity to the end of the season. But when you look back at the 2019 season and now this offseason, it seems like I'm hearing a lot of questions about Tannehill and Derrick Henry. And what is your perception of what this offseason is going to look like for the Titans? This offseason is so interesting to me because the conversations I've had just being in this space here at the Combine with everybody who is very intimately aware of what NFL teams kind of look like and what a typical, air quotes, offseason looks like, It's not very often you go to the AFC championship game and then have 21 guys that are not under contract that offseason. Right. You'd want to bring back the same group of guys just to get to the next level. And that's usually how it happens. There's a lot of questions, right. We've got just – it's kind of how the calendar fell. You know, you get to the point where there's a lot of guys who are just up for free agency, and there's only so much money to go around, and you've got to kind of pick your spots. And unfortunately, when you have a really good roster, one of the best problems that you can have is that you can't keep all of the really good players because you have to pay the really good sure, players. Sure, And um, so as it sits right now, I think free agency is our next big landmark because once we figure out, okay, this is what's happening with Ryan Tannehill and the quarterbacks. This is what's happening with Derrick Henry and the running backs. This is what's happening with Jack Conklin and our offensive line. This is what's happening with Logan Ryan and our secondary. Once we kind of know which pieces are staying, you then know where you're going to be investing some of your time and resources to plug up those holes with the guys that you unfortunately can't keep. Um, So it's a big puzzle piece. It's a big puzzle consisting of a lot of different pieces that are all moving around. But golly, I mean, this is a great problem to have. So much of our coaching staff is staying intact, which is so great. Mm -hmm. Um, Having that consistency and being with the same group for now three years, Um, the Titans historically have had a lot of turnover in coaches. They just have. I mean, Marcus Mariota had like four different offensive coordinators in his time with the Titans. So to be able to have that consistency and 
a bunch of guys who have had success and have seen the fruits of their labor this season and know that what they're doing is working. Now they need to find the guys who can plug into that. It's really exciting to have that that consistency in that way. So even though the roster is going to look really different in 2020, I think the mindset and the way that the team operates is going to be very similar to what we saw in 2019, and that's really exciting. When you look at Ryan Tannehill, obviously he's a different quarterback from Mariota, but let's just say if the Titans want to add to that quarterback room this offseason – what are some characteristics you think that they would look at in a quarterback? What are some of the things that Mike Vrabel and, and Pat, uh, Pat O'Hara, right? He's still the quarterback's mm-hmm. coach there yep. uh, that they're looking at because are they, you know, was it something that Ryan Tannehill, they sort of adjusted the offense to fit his skill set or was he just so well suited for that offense that he just fit right where he needed to be? He was very well suited for the offense. So when it became clear that a change needed to be made, he slipped right in. They didn't have to do anything different for him because he was so aware of how this offense worked and it worked to his skill set. I think that that was intentional in bringing Ryan in was finding a guy who had similar strengths to Marcus, who's a veteran guy. So he's really smart. He's a great leader. Um, Those were some of the things that they were looking for. Someone who, I mean, sometimes you get a backup who comes in and you've got to throw the book out and just start. Yeah, the Texans have done that many, 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 many times. (laughs) Right. Many, many times. And so it was (laughs) a big point to make sure that the Titans didn't have to do that. And so when, I mean, nobody thought that this change was going to happen. When we were in training camp 2019, Marcus Mariota is the guy. Like, there was no smoke and mirrors regarding that. He was the guy. And he was the guy. Until that change was made. Well, it did seem like 2019 was going to be a big decision year for mm-hmm. Mariota. And I think we all saw that. But nobody thought that Ryan Tannehill would be able to. You know, I talked to Jim Wyatt, who works with you over there with right. the Titans. And he said, well, I'd be I'd be lying if I said in training camp, I thought, yes, Ryan Tannehill is going to be the guy that leads us to the AFC Championship game. Right. But the fact that he would he was able to turn his career around after being with the Dolphins and not really having the sort of success that he had like at Texas A&M is really a testament to how well he he did fit in. Absolutely. And he, I mean, I had never had the opportunity to meet him before he came to the Titans. He's a good guy. He's kind of a quiet guy. He just kind of goes about his business. He's not a super flashy kind of Mm -hmm. trying to get all this attention and do all these different things. He's just a guy doing his job, and he really enjoys playing football. So I think that meshed really well with Marcus. So the two got along really well. In the room, they were able to work together. Marcus was able to learn from him and his experience a little bit. So then when that transition came, Ryan had enough of a cerebral idea of what this offense looks like and what needs to be done and how it works. So he was able to slip in. And I think one of the most underrated things about that is not only the way that Marcus handled it, which was just like a true pro, but also the way that Ryan handled it in that he didn't just jump up and say, I'm the captain now. This is my ship. Here we go. He kind of eased into it, too, and let some of the leaders on offense kind of rally the troops. And that, I mean, Marcus is still one of our team captains. Right. And so kind of let people fall into a natural roles within having a new guy under center. You know, it yeah, changes still- the dynamic a little bit. Right. But he kind of worked his way into being the leader of the offense. And so by the end of the regular season, as we're going into 
the postseason, he's kind of hitting his stride as the leader of this team and the guy who pulls everyone together. And he became more of a vocal rah-rah kind of guy. Mm. But he didn't do that right away out of respect for the transition that was being made and I think for Marcus and not wanting to force himself on the other guys on offense who have been playing pretty well, you know? So it was an interesting thing to be a part of. I had never been a part of something like that in my career, just seeing a change happen mid-season and knowing how big it was going to be for this entire team, the ramifications of that move. And it was – I was very proud of the guys that we had in our locker room during that time to be able to pull something like that off and then have the success that they had. That was such a fun byproduct of it. I, I don't know if Texans fans would call it fun, but it was <laughs> it was interesting, and I think it was a little stressful seeing that two AFC South – I mean, this division went from – worst uh, in the league to you know two teams making it out of the division and it was neck and neck uh, in that month of December it seemed like even in November when the Texans played the Colts and and the Titans were going back and forth I remember the Titans and the the Colts are playing and and we were (laughs) we were thinking who do we root against because these are both going to be big contenders as the season goes on let me ask you we've talked about offseason questions as far as so many players becoming free agents but here we are at the NFL combine I know you're covering a lot of these prospects out here but when you look at the biggest team needs heading into 2020 what do you think they might be and and if you had a crystal ball what are some of the position groups you think that the titans will be looking at my co-workers will laugh at me because every single year i say the same thing i am a defense nerd i love them i like the big guys that hit people and every year i'm like i want an edge rusher and they're like <laughs> well we've got this guy and this guy and i'm like oh, I, I want, want more. more i want more pass rushers <laughs> so, yes and i think it's really kind of serious this year the but tit- you can never have too many you romeo ne- cornell had, had right. once said that you can have was it romeo cornell or wade phillips one of them had said you can never have too many good pass rushers right you can never have too many pass rushers and we need big guys we need girth the titans have always been a team that they line up and you go "Hmm." and they're so athletic and they're so talented and what they were able to do in dean pease's defense was i mean dean is so smart and the way that he was able to manipulate the defense and really move guys around to do a bunch of different things and Um, I think with Mike Vrabel getting more involved in the defense this year and that side of the ball specifically, I think that things are going to be just as creative and just as kind of um, formational. Um, But I think that the more muscle you can have and the more just like strong, big, heavy people to kind of just take up space, the better it can be. So I think that that's going to be a big position of need for the Tennessee Titans. And then you're always looking at – wide receivers you're always looking at guys who get I mean we've got AJ Brown who's great Adam Humphreys will I mean, be coming back did AJ Brown surpass everyone's expectations from what he was able to do last year because when I saw him play I thought this guy is really special I can't believe other teams passed on him I think he surpassed everyone's expectations except for his own and I think yeah. that he's going to be a force in the AFC South the for amount sure. of things that he was able to accomplish his rookie year was just remarkable. I'm a little salty that he didn't get rookie of the year. I'll go down swinging. He deserved it. (laughs) He's going to get his accolades, I think. Yeah, I think he'll be all right. But couldn't have happened to a nicer guy, too. He puts in the work. He puts in the time. He really wants to learn from the people around him. And he's kind of a quieter dude who just kind of listens to everyone around, takes it in, asks a lot of questions. And so I think the other guys in the room really respect that about him, that he didn't come in with all the records that he broke at Ole Miss and everything like that mm-hmm. and kind of say, well, I'm in the NFL now. He, he really kind of wanted to learn and wanted to understand. And as a result of that, he's been so successful and – 
having a full off season under him and a chance to really work out and perfect his craft, I'm excited to see what he does in year two. All right, so Mike Vrabel, it's going to be year three for him, right, as a mm-hmm. head coach. Yep. Obviously, the Texans, we know very well what Mike Vrabel is like as a position coach, as a defensive coordinator. You've seen him now as a head coach, and, and we've seen him from afar, but where do you think you've seen the most growth? How much has he changed from his first year as head coach to now? He's more comfortable in his Mike Vrabelness, if that makes sense. I always thought he was very comfortable, <laughs> well, but yes. And uh-huh. that's what's so funny. I mean, <laughs> he is very much himself. He wants to do things his way. He's not concerned about really what anybody thinks about what he's doing. But he's a lot more confident in his presence, whether it's in front of the team, whether it's in front of the media, whether it's at practice, kind of running different things. And I mean, the man practices just as much as any player on that field. He's got pads on. He's running down the field. I think he enjoys that. Working with yeah. guys. He does. He's a very hands-on coach. Mm-hmm. And I think that year after year, we see him settle into this place where it's kind of the, okay, I know how to do this. So let's Let's continue on. You know, he's very confident in the direction he wants to take this team. He's very confident in the way that he interacts with people. He's uh, the level of confidence, and he's always been a pretty confident guy. Yes. But seeing it change from year to year to year, even being here yesterday, just watching him kind of work through the radio row area. and Well, he said hello to all, all of us, jokingly. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, he's, 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 having he's the time very, of his life. very approachable. You know, which is funny because we see all these – these coaches come from that Bill Belichickian tree and they have similar traits, but he's really the first player to come from the Bill Belichick tree. How do you think his style is different from, from other Patriots coaches or is it similar? I think it's similar in a lot of ways in terms of what he's trying to accomplish with the way that he established, establishes consistency and a regiment throughout the season. He's very, very um, intent on keeping things consistent week after week, day after day. Um, I think the player part is an interesting twist because he knows when to push and he knows when to pull back. And I think that the players on the team respond to his pushing when he does push because they know that he knows what he's doing to them, if that makes sense. Well, he's played at the highest level and and succeeded. Well, and during the postseason, I remember they were practicing hard. And players were a little annoyed by it. I mean, it's the postseason. We've played an entire season of football. You're making us do all of these drills that were very hands-on, that were very intense, and there's lots of running and lots of movement. And they were so frustrated by it. But how angry they were also kind of translated into production. Okay. <laughs> and Good to I, it seemed to be one of those things where Coach knew where to push and he knew where to pull off. And players will do it because they know he's done it. And I think that that is such a cool advantage, and it's such an interesting way for him to be able to relate to them Um, because it's not just, well, I've done this for 20 years, and this is how we've always done it, and this is how coaches do it. It's this is what you need because I have done it. I know how it goes. I know what's going to help you. And guys really seem to respond to that. Well, all he has to do is put on the film from when he won, when he caught a touchdown pass in the Super Bowl at NRG Stadium because uh-huh. I remember that very well. All right, Amy, before I let you go, a number of us, there are a number of women reporters that cover different NFL teams, and a lot of us got together for dinner last night. You've been a part of it longer than uh, I have. I I seem to always miss the dinner because I'm yeah, we coming and going we coming and going at different times of the week, but this this year it worked out where I was able to to meet up with y'all for dinner. 
what is it like for you as a female covering the NFL? I know I get asked this all the time, but people are so curious about being a woman. You work for a number of different teams in different capacities, but you know your impressions of working in the league as a female. What are your thoughts? It's been a wild ride. I'm starting my 10th season in the National Football League, which when I was like 21, I was like, I'm going to get the shield tattooed on my body if I make it to 10 years. And now that I'm here, I'm like, nah, that Ooh, was a bad idea. Yeah. That was a weird choice. But it's been so cool. When we started doing those dinners in 2014, there were four of us. And it was. And I was a part of the league, but I don't think we mm-hmm. all, we, we didn't know that the others existed. Right, exactly. Right. We were all there, and we had just kind of stumbled upon each other kind of <laughs> in the media room. We were like, can we go get dinner? It was like seeing a ghost, like, oh my gosh, there's more <laughs> of us. But we were so spread out, and we didn't really keep in contact and even know that the other roles existed because this was such a new role. I mean, when I started in 2013, I think there were like eight or nine teams that had like a female designated reporter. Yeah, I think in Uh in 2013 was my first season. I remember coming to the Combine and I remember two. One was doing social media for the Bills and then um, the other, you know, she, I I don't even know if she's still in the league anymore, but Uh I didn't even, I don't even remember seeing you or or any of the other, because we were so spread out. Needles in a haystack. Exactly. It was just so hard to find people. And so, and this has all been Tori Petrie with, with the, the Detroit Lions, Lions yes. who has done this and has brought us all together. And I am so thankful that we have all kind of found each other. And it has been the neatest thing in the past what, year or two. We have this big group text chain. We do. And a lot of fun topics on there. A lot of fun topics, but a lot of like important, real topics. Important, real topics, but right. also the frivolous stuff that you would expect us to talk about, but also a group of 18 women to kind of be texting well, about. These are things that I can't ask John Harris, you know, when right. I, John Harris is sitting next to me, putting his hands up in the air. Sorry, Johnny. There's just some things that I can't really be asking you. I got to ask other women about, but it, it's such a cool <laughs> thing to be able to share the experiences of other women because it's unique. It's different. You are very much the odd man out in every situation you're in. Sometimes that's for the best and sometimes it's not so much. Um, but no one can really, it's a hard thing to explain to someone who's never been in this world before. So to have found these touch points all over the league of people who understand and you can ask questions of and ask advice of. And I mean, I don't hate it when I walk out of a meeting and like check my phone and I have 85 text messages. Sometimes it, it'd be like that. Amy. Yeah. It makes me feel very important. <laughs> <laughs> and None of it has anything to do with me, but as Amy says, she's like, I always feel important when I see these unread text messages. That I come do. Out of meeting. It feels, Most people would not say that, but I like that you're, you keep it real. Amy. It feels so <laughs> special, but it re- it's been such a cool thing. And to have you guys around and, to be able to build relationships with you and other people, it's been just the best part of my job. And it's been so cool to see every year there's more women who are coming to these things and there are more women who are getting involved and reaching out. And it, it's been a really neat thing to be a part of and to kind of have a little place in, oh, we did that, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> like, oh, this is a neat thing that we're a part of because you can, there's tangible proof that it's growing and that things are changing and that women are getting involved and having a voice. And, I mean, we were talking X and O's football on an NFL podcast. That's so cool. Right, right. So. And there were there was a day when there that would, would have been unheard of. Mm-hmm. But I love that the AFC South's got – uh, female reporters on every team. We've got yep. Ashton Sullivan with the Jaguars, Laura Overton with the Colts, and then yourself, Amy Wills with the Titans. Amy, it's such a pleasure to catch up with you. We'll catch up many, many more times, I'm sure, especially twice uh, in 2020. Absolutely. For sure. Amy Wills. Thank you so much, Amy. This is great.
it is great. It's great to have Amy on, especially after uh, International Women's Day just earlier. So I enjoyed getting a chance to catch up with her. And I cannot believe she did a podcast every single day for a month. I think that is exhausting. But uh, she actually told me afterwards that if there was one thing that she could do uh, and everything else got taken away from her in her job, she would pick podcasting because she really enjoys it. And I really enjoy the fact that people are out there listening to this podcast. And that's going to do it for us for this week. Again, those websites, if you want to give back to Nashville and help them through the recovery efforts, cfmt.org or nashvilletnstore.com. And uh, you can keep up with Amy on, on Twitter. She's Titans Amy, A-M-I-E. And uh, you can keep up with me at Deep Slant. And you can follow. I know in the next few weeks, a lot's going to change with the Titans, with the Texans, with the tampering period opening up very, very soon and free agency kicking off. A lot of chips are going to fall into place. And a lot of questions of this offseason will soon be answered or you'll have a pretty good idea of what's going to happen. So keep up with everything on HoustonTexans.com and obviously Texans All Access every single night, 6 to 7 p.m. Mark Vandermeer, John Harris, Drew Doherty, and myself will try to keep you covered. But for now, that's going to do it for this podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the Deep Slam Podcast presented by Xfinity. For all of you out there traveling during spring break or staying at home, whatever you choose to do, be safe. And as always, go Texans.